Louis, Louis Ali, actually from the South, you know, and uh, I'm a social entrepreneur. I'm a uh, regular day-to-day business person. I own an infrastructure company called uh, Northgate Land Development. Um, I'm also into farming and uh, being a consultant for my children who own a company called uh, Grow Dirt. I'm also uh, a very active social activist. I'm the president of the Hot Black Coffee Party think tank, as well as the uh, Resurrect Black Wall Street movement. I'm definitely a husband and a father and a, uh, a brother who wants to see us make our communities a safe and decent place to live. So we'll start there. This, 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 is, this, this is Diversified, diversified game, 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 game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have a guest who has so many titles. We could have him on seven times, and we would not get everything that he is doing or done or going to do in the future. Brother Ali, coming from the South, and I thank Brother Sharif for connecting us, and I hope that Brother Ali goes we can get him in the circle of all of black youtube for those who want to acquire knowledge but brother ali welcome to the show how are you doing thank you for having me brother kellen man i really appreciate you bringing us on the platform today well yeah and you know we 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 talked for a a good amount of time uh have many similar interests especially when i hear people doing business i want to just get the game get their story show people how they started sustain and succeed in business so you know i don't know which one you want to choose in this um time that we have i'm gonna try to put everything you know, give them pieces and then they can come to you and get the whole thing and how they can contribute. But I, I'd love you to tell the people, how did you get your start in business? Well, my family has always been in business. My grandfather is a civil rights icon. His name's Lewis Allen. And he was murdered in Mississippi in 1964. And uh, my grandfather spent his money and his time and his resources to help the students and freedom activists come down south to try to get black people registered to vote. So the Allens have a long history of always putting their money where their heart is, basically, and trying to make our communities a safe and decent place to live. I actually was in the United States Air Force and living in Aviano, Italy. And I, I began to read and Uh, particularly a book called Black Like Me, and it mentioned my grandfather's name in the book. And so I was so just shocked. I wasn't doing what I'm doing now until I said, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to rebuild my grandfather's business and rebuild his name. And so in 1991, when I got out of the uh, Air Force, I came back home Uh, I didn't necessarily have any money, but our family put some money together and had a little confidence in me. And I bought my first dump truck. The first two months, I didn't make any money. 
But the next four months, I made $30,000 and I paid them the money, the, the seed money back. And I began my business. I volunteered on the weekend because I was, I just had a dump truck. And uh, I actually was working with men who confessed to me that they were Klansmen, but they taught me how to do infrastructure work. And I mean, from the standpoint of pouring concrete to uh, handling a laser, I'd go home by at home by night and practice reading plans because I didn't know how to read plans. Kind of like the old school black people who uh, taught themselves how to read and write, you know, Brother Kellen. I was mm-hmm. learning how to read uh, blueprints and drawings and so forth. And on the weekends, I'd go out and practice my craft. And each year, I would add another dimension to our business. So at first, we were just hauling dirt and sand and gravel and so forth. Then we started laying uh, drainage pipe, and we started clearing uh, large tracts of land, which my father would cut timber. He had skitters and so forth, but we didn't specialize in clearing land. So I started actually clearing land the next year or so we start learning how to put in water systems and sewage. And we just kept marching like that until we started building streets and roads and doing concrete, much of the things that I was doing now. On that side was the business side of it. The activism side of it is I was blessed to uh, join the FOI class uh, for absolutely free. Minister Farrakhan didn't charge one nickel for it, but we'd have to go out all the time, as you well know, with the Final Call newspaper and teach our people and try to resurrect or raise their conscious level so that they could have some self-respect and dignity for themselves and their community. So I was doing that three days a week on the activism side of it. So one side of my life is strictly what people would classify as a business person, but the other side of my life is strictly an activism uh, thing. Minister Farrakhan didn't charge us nothing to join the FOI. I never charged my people a nickel to be out in the community. I done talk radio on Max 94.1 for six years and actually was the first person to really push the Gina 6 movement and help to organize the Baton Rouge uh, Million Man March. Uh, everybody that was going to uh, Washington, D.C. So I kind of merged my activism uh, part of my life with the business part of my life. And so I like to think of myself as sort of a social entrepreneur. What I did not know, Brother Kellen, and you can stop me if I'm going too much because it's just so much, you know, um, is that the overwhelming majority of Black people are what we classify in the South as land illiterate. They've been moved off the land and they don't know what to do with the land. So even if you give them a large tract of land, everybody's saying buy land, buy land, buy land. But land becomes a liability if you're land illiterate. And so for the past five years, I've been pushing land literacy to try to get our people to learn more about how to develop their community and be more industrious and create business centers, black business centers, so that the rest of the community can circumvent around what the black business people are doing and we can create uh, jobs, stronger families and better communities and do it right within our own community and do it for ourselves. 
So that's a little bit of where we start. And I love it. And you know, when the teacher is teaching class, the students are quiet. So I'm, I'm gonna let you do do you. This is old school, um, you know, Larry King style, um, mm. where you know the story is is you. But I want to ask you something because you said the men who kind of mentored you kind of let you know that they were either in the clan or clan affiliate. And those in the South who have had to work in um, the blue collar, you might ma really make a friend with someone who wouldn't necessarily want you to date their daughter, but they'll still show you how to work or they'll co combine with you and do business. And we also know Malcolm X, um, you know, had a secret meeting, they say, <laughs> with it, with the KKK. So I want to I want to know when they were teaching you, how did you learn from someone who their beliefs may not they might not want you as their neighbor, but they'll have you as their coworker, because a lot of us are so black, 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 everything got to be black, not understanding in at least this America, you're going to need a little bit of everybody to create a successful business, at least. You know, I was, uh, like I said, driving, a. I had my own dump truck. And uh, one day, this is back in the days, 91, you had a cassette player in your dump truck. And uh, I'm listening to Dr. Khalid Abdul-Muhammad. And the cassette fell out, and one of the non-conscious people that down south we call Negroes took the cassette and took it to the other white people who were on the job site. And we're just driving trucks on the job site. We're not doing the infrastructure work. And when he took it to him, he happened to take it to a Caucasian, and he, he goes and says, Alan, hate white people and all of this other stuff and I don't think we should have him on the job but what he didn't know is that the person he was given the cassette to was actually a Klansman but they don't go around saying hey I'm a Klansman and spitting tobacco where they spit some tobacco but they don't use the n-word and nothing like that so later on he came to me and I, and I just I put his name out there his name was R.G. Clark and he had brothers and uh Every time they show up to the job, they'd be 13 or 14 of them deep. They wouldn't be wearing Klan uniforms. They'd be wearing these uh, Wrangler jeans with uh, khaki, uh, not khaki shirts, but those plaid shirts, you know, cowboy Western shirts with cowboy hats on sometimes, you know, and they had things on their equipment like Big C. They didn't have Big K on there. So he told me, he said, you know, Alan, he called me by that name. He said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and pack fair with you. We, we got to have a, a person to go on this other job with us. And the job, mind you, paid about 50% more than what we were making then. He said, we got to have a, a, a colored person. I mean, I, I mean a, a black person. He said it like that. He said, uh, and we're going to take you. And so he took me. And then later on, he started telling me more and more of the stuff that they were doing. And he eventually, he didn't tell me right away. But they would always pay me on time when I worked for them. And when I went to volunteer to learn the infrastructure work, he just told me that the Klan wasn't what a lot of people thought it was, that they just kind of wanted to be separate and didn't want nobody messing with their daughters, which they would never have to worry about me even looking at their daughters like that, you know? And so that was the nature of the uh, relationship. I learned uh, a lot about he, he passed now, but I learned a lot about infrastructure work from him. And basically, 
there are many members of the Caucasian community, particularly, and they're open enough to say it in Louisiana, Mississippi, they would just like for black people to just go and do something for themselves and leave them alone. And that's cool with me. And I want to do something for myself and make my own community a safe and decent place to live. And there are mutual things that we can learn from one another without necessarily having to go and live all under each other. They actually have more respect for black people who are independent from them and interdependent with themselves than they do for these people who follow white people around and beg white people and harass white people and march when white people don't employ them and don't do nothing for themselves. And so I, I have a point of view that I believe that black people are creative enough, smart enough, genius enough to go and this land will produce for us and learn from one another and we can build our own communities, make them safe and decent place to live. And if anybody else wants to come, you know, to our community to buy food, to listen to music, to enjoy culture, welcome, welcome. But the thing of it is, is that we have to be in control of our own land base, our own economic base, and take the burden off the government and put more of it on ourselves and focusing on the solutions that we have for ourselves. And this is what Black people uh, were doing prior to integration. I got to say this part, as quiet as it's kept, they studied us starting in 1952. Uh, US, you can get this, go on YouTube and look at a video called How to Sell to Negroes. And you'll hear the Secretary of Commerce, his name is St. Clair, and he declared that the fastest growing economy, not in America, but in the world, was the Black American economy. He also declared that the white economy was dying. So why was the white economy dying? It was dying because all of the young white people were going down to the black business districts, which were not just in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Black Wall Street wasn't just in Tulsa, Oklahoma. In every city, you had a black business district, what we call a black Wall Street. And white, young white people would go and listen to the blues and listen to bebop and listen to jazz in these areas, and they would spend money. They loved going to historically black uh, college football games because we had all of the talent at that time. Uh, we Southern University, Alcorn, Jackson State, where um, shout out to Deion Sanders for going back to uh, Jackson State. Uh, we had all the talent and we were attracting people all around the world, which meant that our economy was growing fast. The white economy was still in stagnant because of all the open racism. And in a short period of time, we would have taken America over anyway. And so smart social engineers and psychologists and sociologists, they got together in California, in Berkeley. Um, I forgot the another, another school out there in California, but they concocted a social engineering plan. They called it integration. We had never heard of integration at that time, but it was designed to suck all of the talent out of the black community and put those talented, brilliant, Black people in academia, in sports and entertainment into service for the white economy in order to save the uh, American economy for collapsing. Well, it worked over the past 40 years. 
I'm here as someone who represents the resurrect Black Wall Street market to say to Black people, this is not about hate or bigotry or uh, calling people cheap names, but it's to say, let's do something real sensible. Let's rebuild our Black business districts and use the Black business districts the same way the Muslims use the Kaaba in Mecca or the Christians use Rome. We use the Black business district to circumvent around it, to create activities, to lower the crime rate, to stop our, to give our young people something to do that is industrious so that they can really rep and be proud of their own community. And that's what we've been working on, uh, Brother Kellen. I'm so proud to say that we have our first model up and uh, we're having the grand opening on the 29th of October uh, this year, 2021, 100 years since the burning of Black Wall Street. And uh, we want everyone in Black America to come and see this model. And uh, Mr. Bill Allen uh, built it. And uh, many of us work with him to build it. And we can use this model to create a different kind of social entrepreneur type movement. We don't want to march in the streets and just sing, we shall overcome. We don't want to march and just say, defund the police. That's really not black people saying that because somebody has to police our community. We can police our community and organize it, but we don't, we don't go around saying defund the police and uh, calling other communities names. The new movement that's in vogue and chic is for talented black people to go back to their own community, buy up the lapidated buildings. We're doing it right here in Baton Rouge. We bought up a whole block of property and we're refurbishing it. We want to make it really nice so that when black people come to football games at historically black colleges, they don't have to go all the way to the other side of town that is white economically dominated where they decided to do something for themselves and spend all their money over there. We have to create an environment that's safe. And this is not just talk. We have to create an environment that's safe for our people and get used to doing business with one another. Um, in Georgia, not only have we taken a 125,000 square foot old Target building and completely refurbished it and renovated it, and it's now the home for over 100 black businesses. But here's the good part. There's a training facility to show black people from other communities how to do it, how to rebuild their business district in their own community. And it's like a three or four day training course that you can go to right there in Stonecrest, Georgia. You know, um, Georgia, and I've had a previous guest who the um, 19 families who built, who bought uh, 97 acres in Georgia. Yeah. It, ma it made, it made even CNN and, yeah. uh, and it, you know, you guys really in Georgia, I know you're in Baton Rouge, but Georgia really is one of those States that is just doing instead of all the, you know, help fund this, help me fund that, pay me, pay me. People are taking their money and they're doing it quietly. Now, 
now my audience, my 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 Grambling audience. I know he said Southern, and because he's from Baton Rouge, but he meant Grambling too. He wanted to throw absolutely, y'all in there. absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's 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 one HBC. But now. let me tell you something, Brother Kellen. Just for a little history here, mm-hmm. the great Eddie Robinson from uh, Grambling, uh, the the greatest coach in college football ever. There was a college called Leland College. It's it's really in Baton Rouge. And that's where he went to college. It was a totally Black-owned institution that focused on Black people being industrious. It was here before Southern University. So shout out to Eddie Robinson and all my Black people down there in Grambling. Definitely, definitely. I, I just didn't want to get an email and, you know. Um, <laughs> so, so, so your business, you know, it, it is a serious business that is needed. Anytime someone buys land and they need to clear it and, and really get it right. I'm going through that right now. So it, 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 it's, it's bothering me because when I look at the price, I'm like, my gosh, who would have thought it cost that much to clear some land? That little piece of land, you know, when you bought it, it was a grandiose piece of land. Now you got to clear it. That little bit of land. Um, what did it take to get all the equipment? How long did it take? Do you own the equipment or do you have to rent it? Because that's a, a big deal in your business. Well, well I, I own the equipment. But, the you know, I, I bring this topic up a lot. And, you know, I did a TEDx talk about black green collar workers. When black men of previous generations learn skills and trades, They didn't learn them just from a Tayloristic point of view. They learned them from a holistic point of view. And for the listening audience, Taylorism is like when you just learn one specific area. So if you're a mechanic and you work on brakes, you only fix the brakes. You don't have a holistic mechanical view toward um, repairing a car, right? The first step is to learn the skill and trade. Because even if you go rent a dozer, who's going to operate it proficiently? You rent a piece of equipment, you know? So that's the first thing. So that time volunteering and working with my dad, my dad, we worked the whole summer. That helped a tremendous amount, all right? You really, I hear people talking about gangs, you know, gang violence. Black men and black boys, that we learn things from one another. Kellen, in talking with you, I've learned so much, particularly that video that you sent me about the brother with the app, because I'm, I'm land literate, but I'm technologically illiterate in terms of what I know about tech. I know about land. And, but the beautiful thing about the community we had before, just imagine how much we could learn from one another if we lived in close proximity to one another. If you live next door to me, I could do it perhaps the way the old people did it before the dollars were the medium of exchange. We could barter. You do some technology for me, and I'll come over there and clear the land for you. You see how this picture looks? And after a while, because we're we're building a bond, we're building a relationship that's strong, and before long, I start learning more about technology. You start thinking to yourself, well, man, clearing this land or laying this pipe or putting these water and sewer lines in 
not really that difficult to do. We, uh, we learn things by being close to one another. And this is what the enemy knew, that if he could put distance between one another, then no matter whether we call ourselves a Muslim, a Christian, a Hebrew, our religion today is individualism. I'm going to do me. I'm going to get me. And we don't think enough collectively about how to get and gain power. See, like if me and you are sitting down talking about technology and talking about fixing your land and developing the land, and what's best, I do land assessments where I go out and walk property and look at property in order to assess the land to tell the person what is valued at. Um, many people in Louisiana, because, and this is just something that I know Louisiana people appreciate this, many of my Caucasian customers, they go out and buy rural land that's underdeveloped, that's low. Why do they do that? So that they can get the land cheap. And then they call me out to repair the land. So they might take 20 acres. I'll give you an example. One guy who's a customer of mine, he took seven acres. You know how many houses he put on there? Four. 42 houses. That's 42 lots. He subdivided all of the property. You can get cheaper property and build the land up. Some of the customers, they might just build the land up and sell it. But they're more land literate than we are because we had a bad experience with land when people take your land and won't allow you to produce on the land or you don't have the equipment to work the land, then land becomes a liability. In order to work land, I, I, I hear especially Muslims, they say, buy land, buy land, buy land. I asked one of the brothers, say, what's more important than land? He hit a blank. He couldn't say much. I say in the Bible, it says, and there was no man to till the land. So you got to have manpower, workforce, large groups of families striking out like those families did in Georgia, even though they didn't know a lot about the land. They knew they wanted to get away from racism and white supremacy. So you get your group, your gang, your clique, your set, your brother, your family. Y'all move into an area and you buy large tracts of land or buy a tract of land. Why we want to live in close proximity for one another? What's the number one thing people are concerned about? Security. I don't want no black person breaking in my house, stealing. So I have to live next to people who have a common belief system, not necessarily a common religious system. And this is the thing that the old elders who came off the plantation were intelligent enough to know. And so black people in historical uh, black communities own large tracts of land. And they all worked the land and they didn't have the sophisticated equipment that we did today. Do you realize, I know you realize, I'm really talking to the choir here and talking to the audience, but that a small group of us could literally move into an area and create our own country club? See, the markup on land is incredible. Land in this raw state is not what costs you. What costs you is the sewage, the water, the electricity, all of the infrastructure that you put in the land. Well, there are not a lot of black people that do what I do. 
And so what I'm doing is I'm taking little black boys, seven to 17 every summer, and we're training them and we're teaching them something that I don't even think they can learn in school right now, but I'm sure some smart person will maybe write a book or maybe at some point I'll write one on land literacy, how to make your land work for you. Once you got land literacy and you got men who respect and protect the land, how are you going to respect and protect women? You won't even respect and protect land. You're non-territorial. It is in the nature of the black man to be territorial. Lions will kill other lions that are not from their group. You know that, brother. So it is in our nature to be territorial. Men who want to be criminal-minded, breaking in your house, disrespecting you know, elders in authority, we have to get a group of men together like the lions get together and subdue those little lions until they come into our culture and way or we don't want them in. So I'm not, I learned, I've been doing social activism for well over 30 years. And one of the things I learned is that at one time I wanted to get together with big groups of people. I love big meetings and so forth. But over the past 10 years, I've regrouped and I don't want everybody in my group. I don't want everybody in my neighborhood. I want like-minded people who have a chemistry and can see the vision of what we can do. There's nothing stopping us in this country the way it was in previous generations. We have so many opportunities and so much stuff. All we got to do is get our own foot out of our way. And you say, well, man, I don't trust this. We'll make a contract. Lawyer up. Find a way to buy you some land. Every black community, when we build communities, we have to have an area because they require you to have green space in Louisiana whenever you build something. Why not make your green space fruit trees and gardening where you can get fresh food and vegetables out of your own garden? We should have homeowners associations that see the vision. Not We don't see everybody else in America knows they don't want their property value to go down. So they put things in place to make their property value go up. As black people, we have to start thinking, well, I bought this land for this, but it ain't going to stay at this value. I got to increase the value. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of us and, and you, you are you are preaching right now because um, I'm looking for uh, the next home and I'm looking at acres and, and I saw five point eight acres. And it had two houses on it already. And I said, okay, two houses, maybe we could add a third, but we can't add too much. It's not enough. Now I'm like, we're an acre back in the day would have been like, wow, you got an acre. Now I I really want 10, but let me, you know, let me crawl before I walk because unlike you, I don't know. I don't know everything about the land, but I've had a, a, a previous guest on here. I've yet to release release it but the company is torpedo pot and it basically shows you how to grow your own food right you putting your book out there and also talking about how we can grow our own food because that's where we've lost it our grandparents knew how to do it i had to do some of that you know in the canning of the preserves and all that and you hated it you hated it every moment you hated it but now it's like oh let me see if i can remember that so we need that book. <coughs> Excuse me, people. 
I'm thinking about those memories of being in that hot sun. Um, we need that book for the next generation. Because if I write it, I'm going to miss a step. I'm going to tell you all right now, somewhere down there. So we need that book because when our people and what Torpedo Pod is showing, too, they've created their own blockchain so you can sell your fruit if you grow too much. And you know our people love to make money. So once they learn that skill and they say blockchain and they sound smart again, and put that tech with the land we're geniuses you know um as a community so we need that book you're doing so much for the community i want you to tell and you might have already said it what is a community give back not that you've done but that you want to do for the future because you've you've said 30 years you know you've done so much what do you plan for the future in your community give back i'm working now to rebuild and renovate all of the property or large, the, 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 you've been to Southern University before, right? I, I, yeah, I, I, I drove through it my grambling gear. I was trying to start something. <laughs> <laughs> After we swacked them. Yeah, yeah. But, but there were dilapidated buildings and the community dried up and died. We're going to rebuild it. God is blessing us to do that now. My passion is to never die. I don't want to die. I want to transition. So I have these young people around me and I really want to take all the knowledge, wisdom, understanding that I have and and pour it into them so that they can grow and keep it going and teach the ones after us. A lot of times we think of young people as disrespectful It's not that they're disrespectful, they're disconnected. So if we can connect with them and show them how to be men, everybody focuses on little girls. My focus is on black boys and getting these black boys and let them learn a minimum of four skilled trades and guaranteeing them they can easily make a six-figure income by knowing these trades. And we like to talk more about control than we do money. See, I, it's, it's really not that difficult to make money in America. I mean, it's, it's really not. Once you know how to do something, it's not that difficult. But what we have to focus on more as a people is control. We want control, control. We want to control our communities. We want to control the curriculum. We want to control our medicine. And so you die when nobody else picks up the mantle. See, my grandfather was murdered, they say in 1964, but if I'm on this show and I'm named after him and I got his energy and his spirit in me, then he lives. And we shouldn't, and Africans never believed in death the same way the Europeans believed in death and the way we've been taught about death. You only die when you don't give nothing. And as men, we are the original givers. We give women the seed of life. We create life. God blessed us to do that. And the payback is to have eternal life. But you have it through your good deeds, your seeds, and the mind that you have, you put in more than just your biological children. You create yourself with spiritual children. See, in in, in our mind, we don't think of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad as being dead, and we don't believe Minister Farrakhan is going to die. 
because what he taught is deep, deep, deep into all of us. The, I'm mm. so confident that we can make our communities safe and decent and just as nice as any other community. And believe it or not, there are many Caucasians who respect black people who do stuff for themselves and don't go around like a domesticated Negro begging and crying about all of this. It's a new day. We have to be like bees. And as I told you before, you can't be a bee without a beehive. And so the black Wall Street market in Georgia and the one in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, is the home of many bees or businesses where you can get all of the services that you need in one central location. See, really, it's a myth that you can recycle the black dollar under integration because the businesses are too scattered out to even compete. When black people come to the Essence Fest, I'm sure you've been there before, there's much power in it in Louisiana. When we have the uh, Bayou Classic, it's like a big family reunion down south. You, I mean, you get to see so many things. And why, why, why do I always talk about the south? I love the south because I love the land. And I, love, I see great opportunities in the south because, Brother Kellen, a man like you, you can get more than five or ten acres. Man, I know God is going to bless us to really get together, but, man, you can go get you a 20, 30, 40, 50-acre track. If we have children and we have vision, see, I, I plan to make sure my children have some land with a plan and know the trades so that they can work and build something on the land so that they can have some control. There are all kind of innovative uh, construction technologies that are coming out now. And man, if we get these young people involved now in the construction technology, they'll run circles around me. They'll make me look like I'm just, he must have not known nothing. He just got lucky or something. <laughs> the dinosaur. You'll, be, you'll become the, 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 the dinosaur, which isn't a bad thing. Because even in what I do, I, I, I say that way is, oh, let me show you a new way. And then people are, you know, things can go faster, um, which can be a great thing what, if what you know I, how to use I love it. A, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. What I love about what you do is you bring a lot of people together. Because it, it don't matter how much. I told Dr. Ridgely this. You know Ridgely Muhammad, our farm coordinator for the Nation of Islam? Oh, no, he, I don't. Uh-uh. Well, we have a 1,600-some-acre farm down in Georgia. And he is an excellent farmer. But I was telling him, when you make products, what good is it to make a lot of products if nobody knows about them? See, you connect people. You can connect the, who knows we produce food if somebody like you don't have a platform to tell the people, the consumer side of it, that we have all of these products. They don't know about it. So the internet and people like you can help us because they got a lot of black people that produce a lot of products, but nobody knows about them. The people who control our entertainers, there's only one reason why they control them because they have the power to make them known or unknown. That's the reason why I was saying to brother, it's not good enough to just be a business person. 
We have to be social entrepreneurs. We have to be the greatest social engineers who ever lived and create highways where black people can get back to one another. Because right now we're so separate. The bees, we got bees, but they don't have a beehive. Mm. When you go to Georgia Stonecrest, and this is on the 29th of October, the opening, you'll see an original beehive, the best and biggest one we've had in over a hundred years. Something that all of black America can look at and then go back to your community and model it. Make black business and cultural districts great again. And and that ain't fake news. (laughs) It it definitely is not fake news. And you guys, this is news you can use. And because it is time sensitive, I want you to go check out the links in the description box. Um, I'm going to rush to get this one out because I want you guys to, you know, tell a friend. I want you to share this with someone. And, you know, the best conversations I always tell you guys are the ones off air. But I I want my team to put this out ASAP. So I'm going to cut it short, but I'm going to tell you, if you want to connect with Brother Ali, I want you to check out also a link in the description box, the Northgate Land dev.com you'll see it it stands for the northgate land development you can google it it will pop right up beautiful website talks about his capabilities if you're in africa him and i we're gonna have this conversation off air again but don't think he won't fly over on that first class ticket with his team you know maybe we could put the team in in premium economy but he will come show you what to do with that land how to do it and how we can all build he also has growdirt.net check it out man he's all about the growing and developing a land brother ali you want to leave the people with anything feel free uh, i just want to thank you so much uh brother kellen and uh we always say skills pay the bills and land literacy for all the land illiterates Um, I hope that everybody will come out on the 29th of October. They can also just Google New Black Wall Street Market. All the information is there, and it'll tell us uh, about what we're doing. If they want to contact me, they can contact me at brolewisali at bellsouth.net, or you can text me or call me at 225-806-3326. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Sharif Muhammad and uh, Brother Phil and – Looking to talk to you and thank you again, Brother Kelly. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have been blessed by the game. If you do nothing else, make sure you share it. It will change somebody's life. Be blessed. Are you tired of the violence, tired of the injustice, police brutality, rampant discrimination, lack of gun control in this failed by a socioeconomic experiment called America? Or maybe you need a break from the relentless grind and want to regain control of your destiny, your wealth, your health, and your purpose. DiversifiedGame.com has the right course for you. Prepare for my first trip to Africa. Looking to reconnect with your roots, start a new business, or just a fresh start. Africa, a.k.a. the motherland, is waiting. Don't let the Chinese and the Mzungus have the fun and also take over the motherland. 
from Cairo to Mombasa, from Dakar to Cape Town. Africa has something for everyone from business opportunities to the most amazing people, safety, leisure, and landscapes. The opportunities abound. It is time for the diaspora to reconnect with their roots. Time to reconnect with the birthplace of humanity. Africa is the last frontier. Get your head in the game and reclaim your legacy. The writing is on the wall. Babylon is falling. Give up the stress, grind and violence inflicted on our people on this continent and prepare for a journey of restoration and joy by connecting with the land of your ancestors. Check out our new course and kick off your adventure at diversifygame.com. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifyGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.